3: People say, what are you afraid
2: of? Right. I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels.
3: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: On the Jordan Harbinger show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show with Jack Garcia, who did just that.
3: My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. Now I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finished the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We can shake you down, but you're on record with us.
2: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.
4: This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
5: I want you to imagine something. You have your door kicked in. Your husband is dead. It's you and your two kids. The soldiers storm into your home, grab you by the hair, drag you out of the home. Drag your children out of the home. Your children who are screaming, Mom, Mom, help, help. You can hear them. You can see them. They're crying. They're screaming. They're scared. You're scared. These soldiers drag you over to a pole, a big, thick, wooden pole. They bind your hands together in front of you and then pull them over your head so they are as stretched out as stretched out gets. And then nail them, nail the rope to the pole. So you are hanging there. Still feet are on the ground, but you're hanging there on the pole. Standing up. They then rip off your clothing. Now you're obviously scared. Your daughters are hysterical because they're watching. And not one... But two soldiers stand behind you, well, with something in their hands. What is this something? I want you to picture a stick, fairly thick, call it three-inch thick stick, two feet long or so, maybe a little shorter with some leather straps, five or six leather straps sticking out of them. Now, these leather straps have an end, you see, and at the end of these leather straps, one, as you travel down the strap towards the end, you get to a small bone, a jagged small bone. And then when you travel past that small bone, clear out to the tip of this leather strap, there is a metal ball, a heavy metal ball. These Romans then began taking turns one at a time. One hits you with this, the other hits you with this. And don't think for a second. It's just like in the movies where they're whipping you in the back and you have a couple cuts that need to be patched up. You are whipped from everywhere underneath your head. The only reason they don't hit you in the head is you would die. You are whipped everywhere from underneath your head down to the soles of your feet. When's the last time you stubbed your toe? Do you know why it hurts so bad when you stub your toe, drop something on your feet, so on and so forth? It hurts so bad because that's where all your nerve endings are, in the bottom of your feet. Some countries to this day will use that exclusively as a form of torture. They'll just take your shoes and socks off and whack you in the bottom of your feet with a pole. Romans, well, they would flog you sometimes to death. In fact, Romans had a name for this. They actually called it half-death because it was not at all uncommon for people to go into shock and die from simple loss of blood. Permanent disfigurement because on occasion they would swing wild and take out an eyeball. Jesus Christ, our own Lord and Savior, Why do you think he fell while carrying his cross up there? Because he had just been flogged. Now, you were just flogged. They finally stopped hitting you. You were grateful to have a moment of relief from the pain. You are wounded severely. You are bleeding badly. And then you turn around and see them walking towards your daughters, who are 10 and 12 years old. Hang on, we'll get back to that in a minute. Let's talk about ancient Rome for a moment, although today's story is not a Roman story. We have to do a brief amount of setup there. Let's touch on my favorite historical figure by a mile, Julius Caesar, briefly. Julius Caesar, again, probably the most talented man who's ever walked the planet. A genius at everything. He wasn't one of these guys who did something pretty well and that pretty well. Kind of a jack of all trades. He was the best at everything. They say he could dictate and write multiple letters to different people at the same time. He was a poet. He was possibly the greatest military general ever. He was just an incredible human being. But that comes with consequences too, because here's what happened with Julius Caesar. When he was done slapping around Gaul, at one point he takes a look over at this island No, it was not Great Britain at the time, but he looks across the English Channel, and he sees this island. And he gets real curious, so he builds himself a quaint little fleet, which, because it's Julius Caesar, of course, he built it in like five minutes. The guy builds faster than modern-day people do. Builds himself a fleet, sails over there, takes a look around, doesn't mind it but doesn't have time to stay, you know what, Britain, maybe I'll see you again one day. Takes off, goes back home. Why does that matter? Well, it matters for a couple different reasons. One, Julius Caesar was infamous about chronicling everything he did. He, like many generals, today and then and before then, they practically walk around with their own publicists. They just do. They keep their diaries. They have people keep diaries for them. Hey, hey, take a, take this picture. Make sure you get a selfie of me in front of these dead Gauls. So Julius Caesar takes the information about Britain back to Rome. It's not as if Rome didn't know it was there. But once Julius Caesar sets his eyes on it, well, it's a little more resource rich. Julius Caesar rises to power. You know the story. It's not a Caesar story anyway, and essentially takes Rome from being a country run by the Senate to a country run by a king, a Caesar, whatever you want to call him. He's a king. Well, here's the problem with that. I have often said I don't necessarily know that monarchy is bad. But that's really easy for me to say because I've never lived under a monarch. I know this. Under a great monarch, life is good. History shows that time and time again. The problem is once you're under a bad one, you live in hell. You see, Julius Caesar can be Caesar. He can be a king but I don't know that there's ever been another human being with the capabilities of Julius Caesar, so what are the chances your next Roman monarch are going to have the capabilities of Julius Caesar? That's the real danger. Julius Caesar was great, did fine, made some mistakes. It kind of went downhill from there. simply safe has changed the home security game they have because here's what it used to be and I know you've probably gone through this I know I have you call a couple of these companies you get upsold by a million different well you definitely need this and you definitely need that you better have this camera Oh, if you have that you better buy five more cameras finally you get an appointment oh we'll be out there in this eight hour window they show up and you have to sign a contract. That might be the part that drives me crazy the most. A contract? Why do I have to sign a contract? If you're providing a great service for me, then why would you be worried about locking me into a contract? Well, it turns out they should have been worried because a company like Simply Safe came along. No contracts. Starts at 15 bucks a month with no upsell. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse.
4: Jesse Kelly returns. Next.
5: Now, things start to go real bad when it comes to the Roman emperors in this period of time. I want you to picture the year zero. Let's just go there. We're not dealing with exactly the year zero, but that's right in right in our wheelhouse for what we're talking about. So we're talking birth of Jesus type stuff. You eventually get to an emperor by the name of Caligula, and it's not a Caligula story, so I'm not going to elaborate on that. You know the rampant perversion, the abuse of everybody, including senators, senators' wives, senators' wives in front of senators, and then bragging about what just happened with the senators' wives to the senator. That's how you stack up enemies. It also involves making fun of one of your bodyguards for his high voice, His high voice he got when he got an axe to the groin as a warrior when he was younger. That bodyguard may eventually organize a group of assassins to stab you to death. Well, Caligula is gone now. And we are in the era of the Praetorian Guard. What is the Praetorian Guard? Picture the Roman version of the Secret Service. If the Secret Service was full of of a bunch of evil jerks, because the Praetorian Guard, as we've talked about before, they ran Rome for a while. They figured out they were the only ones with the swords in the city, and they were. No one else was allowed to have anything, so they did whatever they wanted. They started killing emperors, and once they got rid of a bunch of scumbag emperors they didn't like, they focused on a man. That hadn't been killed in any of the previous purges or whatnot. And this man's name was Claudius. Now, why hadn't Claudius been killed? Because he was half deaf. Th- I'm pretty sure he spoke with a stutter. He had a limp. He was thought of to be lesser. Now, thankfully, we've moved past those kinds of, you know, the, we've moved past that way of thinking for the most part, in this day and age. Now, when I say move past, I don't mean we don't see somebody and think about it. You think about it. You, you don't admit it or talk about it, but you think about it. But in the Roman era, you would have thought of that person as, quite frankly, lesser. That's not That's not an equal. He's not equal to me. Didn't you hear him stutter? And Claudius comes to power because the Praetorian Guard hands him the power. Now... You're a man who's been an outcast, mocked, made fun of your entire life. When they found him and made him king, he was hiding, shaking with fear because he thought he was about to be killed too. Talk about working out all right for you, by the way. Oh, please don't kill me. Oh, we would never kill you, Caesar. Congratulations. Well, you make that guy emperor and that guy is going to probably... Have something to prove, isn't he? And he most certainly did. Have you ever seen pictures of that amazing Roman aqueduct? He built one of the four of them. I think it was called Aqua Claudia or something like that. But the Roman aqueduct, if you don't know about it, look it up. It is the most incredible feat. Maybe the most incredible engineering feat I think of all time. And he also decides... I need to cement my power. I need to build my popularity up a lot. You know where we really haven't conquered yet? Great Britain is just kind of sitting there. How tough could it be? And they marched the Roman legions into Britain with mixed results. And Mixed Results is probably the all-time winner of oversimplifying something. But here's what happens. They march into Britain. And remember, we are still in the era, although the empire is on its way down, we are still in the era where Roman military minds, Roman military technology, shoot Roman technology, period, Roman... I don't know what you, how do you want to put it? Morale, mentality is superior to virtually everyone else's on earth. Roman legions win. A Roman legion is highly, highly organized, heavily armored. They have been taking on Celtic like barbarian tribes for a long time. Which should be obvious to everyone at this point because guess where they marched to get to Britain? Right through France, Gaul, at their time, a place that had been formerly occupied by Celtic tribes. Now all pay homage to Caesar. They get into Britain. They do really, really well in the south. They do well for a couple different reasons. One, And this is the biggest one. They always had Roman legions right there slapping around anybody who resisted too hard. But two, Rome knew how to settle a place. And here's how they wanted to settle Great Britain. Rome wanted to settle Britain peacefully. And contrary to all the things you've heard and all the things you think about them, while Romans were famously violent and conquerors, I'm not going to act like they're a bunch of peace-loving people, they did not always want to go in and kill every man, woman, and child and this is Rome now. Oftentimes, especially with a place like Britain, they really just wanted you to come along, pay your taxes, we'll move some Romans up here, let's, let's get along. I mean, you're going to do what I say, don't get me wrong, but let's get along. You can have your freedom as long as you don't do anything I say you're not allowed to do. <laughs> that kind of thing. And understand that when you're that far away... Well, I mean, look at a map. Pull up your map right now. Look at a map of Google. Just look up Google Maps from Italy, down where Rome is, up to Great Britain. Now, I want you to imagine that on horseback or ships. Look at how far that is. That's really far. If you look at the Roman Empire... What does it almost always consist of? The Mediterranean. Because you can get to and fro easily. You have big navies. They they conquered the Mediterranean. Great Britain is not the Mediterranean. I have to hump clear through Gaul, cross the English Channel, and once I get there, the weather sucks. So, they didn't really want to make it a Roman province at first. They wanted... Well, why don't you just agree to be my subject? And they run into a tribe called the Iceni tribe. I don't drown you with names, but that one's going to matter. The Iceni tribe. The Iceni tribe has a king. The king has a wife and two daughters. The Iceni tribe sees the Romans come in, and they also see the writing on the wall. Granted, up north, if you look at that Google Maps, the northern part of that big island, they were always warlike. They were always fighting the Romans. They never fully pacified those freaking people. But the Icenes know how it's going to go for tribes in the south, and the Icene's are in the south. So the client king makes a decision, and you're going to have to decide for yourself whether you like that decision or not. Because they don't make movies about guys who make the decision he made, but there's something to it. He makes a decision. Wait, we're just going to get along with Rome. We're just going to do what they tell us to do. We're going to be partners. They don't want to make us a Roman province. We're going to trade. We're going to grin and bear it and pay our taxes. And we're going to kind of get along. Now, they don't make movies about that. But is it bad? Hang on. Cyber criminals are everywhere these days. It is the new wave of crime. And what are they hunting for out there? Well, anything and everything. Your credit cards. Oh, they've already gotten mine several times. Debit cards, bank accounts, social security number, your credit score. They're on the hunt for all of it because they can take anything you have, take it, and use it for their own personal gain. You need Identity Hero. They monitor that 24 hours a day, seven days a week for you, and they do it for $7.95 a month. That's less than $8 a month. They can protect you and will. And should something happen while you have Identity Hero, they pay you back dollar for dollar, up to a million bucks. Go to identityhero.net slash That's identityhero.net slash Jesse. Protect yourself. Now, it should be noted that Britain at this time was not a country, not by any stretch of the imagination. They were a million different tribes, and many of these tribes were still warring with the Romans. Some had allied with the Romans, but the Iceni and the Romans really did get along pretty stinking well. The Romans brought some things to the table. Remember that when they colonized you. And Britain had lots of things. Romans wanted one. Salt. We've talked about this briefly before, but I cannot possibly put into words how salt was valued in this time. Salt's ability to preserve things, because this is pre-refrigeration, which I'm shocked the Romans didn't invent that too, but just pre-refrigeration was everything. everything. Salt was more than, it wasn't some spice. It wasn't some nicety. You had to have it if you were a major country. And if you were an army, you almost definitely had to have it to try to preserve food as you're moving to and fro. You just It, it was critical, huge, for the world economy, not just Rome's. And Britain had a ton of it. And get this, another thing the Romans loved about Britain, specifically the Iceni tribe, oysters. They were supposed to have the best oysters in the entire empire. And Romans were fanatical about food. Isn't that funny? How incredible, as much as I make fun of them, how incredible Italians are today at eating. I mean, how many Italian restaurants do you have in a 50-mile radius to you? these people can eat man. let's be, let's be honest here. they can eat. well, they get it honestly because the Romans imported foods from everywhere. and the the king of the Iceni tribe gets along really 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 well with Rome except there's a problem with this king and that problem is he dies. Why is that a big deal? Well, here's why it's a big deal. Rome didn't always, especially when they're dealing with a client kingdom, Rome didn't always view the deal they had as being with the kingdom. They viewed the deal they had as being with the king. King is gone, and this is not Rome. This is Britain, and so we are about to run into a big, big problem. The king dies. His wife is named, somebody you may have heard of, maybe not, his wife is named Bodica. Bodica is now in charge of the kingdom. This does not pass on to a male. Bodica is in charge. We now have Emperor Nero, although he doesn't matter to the story, but the king when he died, the Iceni king when he died, was so interested in keeping Rome as a partner and a friend. Once he was dead, he left half of his kingdom to the Romans and the other half to his family, right? This is a man who tried to do it all right. But back to the question I asked a little earlier before we get to Bodica, we rip on kings like this, or we don't make movies about kings like this, or we sneer about them for coming along with the Romans. But do you know what they were doing to everybody who resisted? And here are the Iceni people with Roman protection, with Roman roads. You take roads for granted. I take roads for granted. Real, actual roads were not a thing for much of the world over much of history. They just were not a thing. Rome brings advantages and his people didn't get slaughtered. However, 2020 hindsight being what it is, maybe he didn't make the right decision because when he died and his wife took over the Iceni tribe, Iceni kingdom, they were a tribe is not the right way to put it. They were a huge, wealthy, powerful tribe. His wife takes over. Well, that's going to be a problem because Rome. Rome did not like female leaders. Couple different reasons for this. You see almost all of history now is told from this white guilt perspective or man guilt perspective and so they have to twist every part of history around even history that's tried to even history that's presented to you you know as just a matter of fact it's all twisted up now and what i mean by that is you hear endlessly about how how everything was chauvinistic back in the day and women were treated like cattle and these women were treated like slaves and women were treated horribly. That is completely not true. In many places it was, but even in even in America before women had the right to vote. And you'll hear all these nasty, hideous feminists today. Ah, we were oppressed. Women were treasured, have been treasured throughout societies, throughout the history of mankind. Yes, there are, a million and one examples of women being abused on an individual level and sometimes on a society level but that is not the norm throughout history women were these poor beaten down down they were treated less than the family parakeet that's a that's that's a bunch of crap it's not true and in Rome it was very much a male dominated society there's no question about it Probably more chauvinistic than the average society, but it wasn't that they hated women. They didn't think women were necessarily capable of doing it, and because of a previous history with a young lady you may have heard of by the name of Cleopatra, who practically ripped the Roman Empire in two, although you can't really blame it all on her, but they did, they thought female leaders because of Cleopatra were treacherous and this would end really poorly. They simply didn't acknowledge them. There were there weren't client kingdoms other under Rome who had female leaders. Only in Britain that was the norm. There were female leaders all over the place. They didn't they didn't care. Rome cared. Rome cared a lot. Rome looked at this situation and said, you know what? This whole client kingdom thing, that was with the last guy. He's dead now. You're just going to go ahead and be Rome now. And they went about it in a way that was heavy-handed, to put it mildly, flat-out barbaric, idiotic, savage, I don't know what word you want to put on it, but that story I told you in the beginning, they did that to Bodica, the head of the Iceni tribe. They strung her up to that pole and they flogged her nearly to death. And then her daughters at the age of 10 and 12, in front of everybody, including the tribe, they had their way with her daughters well this is not a shrinking violet of a woman from what we're told she was huge i don't i don't mean fat i mean tall tall and red-haired and fierce these tribal people their women could be just as fierce remember this is, this is not a male-dominated society soon the 20,000 roman legions legionnaires the 20000 roman troops in britain found themselves facing 200000 britons led by one very very angry vengeful briton queen hang on
4: The Jesse Kelly show
5: home title lock.com can save you from getting kicked out of your house. I am not making that up. That's not hyperbole. I'm looking at a direct quote from a lady named Deborah who was stunned when she got evicted from her home. People across America are getting evicted from their homes because of home title theft. Your home title is not a piece of paper anymore. You need to understand that. Your home title exists online. Do you know how easy it is these days for a cyber criminal to find it, take it, put your signature on it, and get a loan out against it? It's nothing for them. It's nothing. And you have to pay that loan back. Your home insurance does not cover it. Home title lock can protect you. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code JESSE. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. This is The
4: Jesse Kelly Show.
5: These Britons are angry. Their queen is angry. They're angry about the taxation. They're angry about what was done to their queen, what was done to her daughters. They're angry about these stupid Roman towns they've set up. You see, Rome had begun building cities there. That's how Roman would colonize a place more slowly. It's not all Genghis Khan stuff. No, you're just a client kingdom. I mean, yeah, we're building a city over here. I mean, that's going to be ours. But And, of course, you're going to trade with it because we told you to, but it's fine. And Rome would do things like, you remember that Emperor Claudius, the reason they're in Britain? They built a temple to Claudius to worship him as a god, even though he was dead. Well, that is a horrible affront to these people. And Rome was doing something else at the time. And you're going to want to pay attention here. To make sure they could finish bringing these wild British people into the fold. They're just a little too wild for our taste. You remember how I told you there were a million different tribes up there and there were. What's funny about it is. They all united around one basic religion. And if you've ever seen the King Arthur movies, you'll have some idea of what I'm talking about. But they had holy men called druids. And these holy men were not gods, but were thought to be the mediators between them and God. Gods the, gods, the gods of nature. And the funny thing about it is it's a fascinating culture. The Druids, it wasn't like each and every village had one. Hey, where's your Druid? I, we, we put him up in House B. Where's yours? Oh, he's in this hut. The Druids all lived in one basic area of the island. The Roman legions, when Budica chose to rise up and slaughter them all. Most of the Roman legions were up killing all the Druids. You see, Rome did things very forcefully. And if they thought there was a common bond in your culture that was keeping you from fully submitting to Roman rule, they would remove said common bond big time. But here's your problem. You're up there killing all the Druids. Now you've made them even angrier. Now your 20,000 Roman troops is only about four or five left, because the rest are up there killing the Druids, and you have 200,000 angry Britons coming your way, and she does. But here's what's funny about the historical story of Boudica, and I'm not gonna go on and on about it forever. She doesn't actually win any big battles. She takes the Roman capital, but they had emptied the Roman capital. And it wasn't even walled. She then sends some men to ambush a tiny, tiny, tiny Roman legion. They had them outnumbered like 40 to 1, and she won. But this was not any kind of a major engagement at all. She won. She marches then on another Roman city. This time, maybe you've heard of it. It's called London. It wasn't called London at the time. It was actually called Londinium, I believe it was. But it's called London. Now, London was not huge at that time at all. It was on the rise. It was up and coming, but it was not huge. And again... Not fortified. They essentially stepped aside and let her have it. Because the Roman legions, the Roman armies, weren't down there to fight her yet. But here's the problem for Boudica. She is fighting for a cause you and I can appreciate, right? Revenge. Freedom. I mean, these are are causes they do make movies about. And I'm sure they've made movies about Boudicca. I've never looked into it. That's a cause you can get behind. But she's at this point in time starting to really, really, really feel like she's got these Romans licked. And this has been pretty easy. Only Boudicca might have 200,000 troops But they still have animal hide shields. Some of these guys, many of them, most of them, have wooden sticks, no armor, very crude weapons. Some of them carry rocks into battle for weapons. The Roman legions are coming. And the Roman legions are not carrying rocks. And they're not carrying sticks. They have thick shields, thick armor. But they only have 12,000 dudes left. Hang on.
6: Visit AdoptUSKids.org
7: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council
8: Part-time job, full-time hustle All-time Shiro to all of us You nurture, we listen You teach, we thrive You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars Start saving more for retirement now So you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at slash shiro A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
5: As the great Napoleon said, "Quantity has a quality all its own." Boudica has now taken Roman cities. She has defeated a Roman army, although it was a tiny one. And she has 200,000 people with her marching on this Roman commander who has 12,000 men with him. And that's all. This Roman commander knows sticks, armor or not. He has got to figure something out and he's got to figure something out quickly or he's going to be overwhelmed by the numbers. How many men can you hack down before you flat out wear out and they overwhelm you, right? And 200,000 is a lot of people. But this Roman commander has a fascinating plan. Absolutely fascinating. We are about to talk about one of the great military achievements of all time. Maybe the greatest. Hang on. Roman governor Paulinus has 12,000 men. He knows Bodica's coming with her 200,000. He has got to figure something out, and he figures something out. Rome was outstanding at picking its own battlefield. He found a place where he knew her army would come right along the road. And this place has a very interesting setup, or I should say had an interesting setup. I think, the, I think it's all cleared out today. It had trees to the left. And when I say trees, I don't mean a scraggly tree or two. I mean a thick forest to the left, a thick forest to the right, a thick forest behind him. The opening was in front. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking the same thing I thought when I first heard this story. What an idiot. He can't leave. He's totally trapped. They're finished if she breaks him. Yeah, he knew exactly what he was doing. He sets up his formation and what's his name? Kreitzer. This one guy I was uh, listening to, Kreitzer tried to describe it like a saw. He had a great podcast on this, the wartime history podcast. I want to give him credit for it. Cause he had, he, I was trying to get more information on this formation and he broke it down as best as, as best he could. But the formation was essentially this, it wasn't a straight line across. There were points on it and these points were angled like a saw. And you know how a saw cuts, right? It wedges the wood in there and then cuts through it. The Roman formation was a big saw blade. And picture a bunch of armorless, stick-wielding Britons getting stuck in a wedge between heavily armored Roman legionaries. Bodica gets there. She is so certain of victory that the British citizens, the civilians, pulled out a bunch of wagons and parked them side by side behind Boudica's army so they could watch the battle as if it's a spectator sport. And that's going to matter a lot here in just a moment. Boudica throws her army right into the teeth of this Roman legion, the teeth of this saw, but the Roman legion is dug in and their formation means they don't really have to move at all. Or if they do move forward, which is the only direction they moved, they would essentially be chopping off whole parts of the British army as they walked along. You see, as you get yourself wedged in the saw blade, They would simply chop you down and then continue marching over you so you don't even have the problem of dead bodies because you're standing on the ones you just killed. Now, I want you to pause for a brief brief moment before we wrap this up here. Think about what that sounds like. Think if you're one of the Roman legionaries with your spear pointed in Hacking and stabbing Brits all day long. What does it smell like? What does it sound like? What kind of dreams do you have the rest of your life? Even on the winning end of that. There are people out there, and you may be one of them, who've experienced some sort of traumatic event once in their life. Saw a car wreck. Were are in a car wreck. A horrible crime. Maybe you're a combat veteran. Imagine an entire day of hacking through 200,000 people with swords and spears. What that looks and sounds like. Imagine the screams. Eventually, this British army turns around and they run the other direction only they don't get very far because the idiots had already set up the wagon train in a line behind them they boxed themselves in with the wall and got chopped to bits and in case you're wondering about what happened to bodica they don't know she just kind of went away there are a lot of people who say she got poisoned but like they can't confirm that she poisoned herself i should say But her entire army wiped out. Her dead. Daughters dead. Rome now in complete control. Now what happened? Here's what happened. Bodica, she had a couple nice wins early on. And because... She had a couple nice wins early on. She got the impression that she was a warrior queen. And that's how she's presented in all the history books now. You Because know, everything has to be that I am woman, hear me roar crap. Oh, look at this great. Look, if she was, I would tell you. I don't care. She didn't do anything special. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, militarily, I'm saying. No indictment of her as a wife or mother or whatever else. Militarily, she did nothing special at all. But I guess to defend the historians of today who try to do that warrior queen thing, she sure thought she was too. Oh, look at this. I beat a Roman city. Oh, I got another Roman city. Oh, look at this. We beat a little Roman legion. Bring it on, Paulinus! Bring down your 12,000 men. Things change. Your audience changes. Your opponent changes and can change on a dime. And if you're not used to it, if you've been playing warrior queen, you're going to get exposed the minute you step across the field from a man who knows what he's doing. We have this guy in Austin, Texas, who got himself shot, this Antifa protester Approaches a vehicle in Austin. He approaches a vehicle with an AK 47 in hand and he's brandishing the weapon. I don't know the details yet because they're all over the place. There are people saying he shot. There are people who who are saying he shot at least five times. There are people saying he didn't shoot at all. And let me tell you from the bottom of my heart, that doesn't matter even a little bit. The truth of the matter is this. We have these Antifa people in this country. And I'll lump the Black Lives Matter people in there too. These leftist Marxist street rioters in this country. They have a system right now where they are getting way, way, way too big for their britches because they're used to... Pushing around a bunch of unarmed city people, outnumbering people, mobbing people, killing them, assaulting them, pushing them around, approaching vehicles and jumping on them like a bunch of animals. This young guy, Garrett Foster, 28 years old, he's never going to approach another vehicle again. Because he approached the wrong one and he's dead now. These college-based Antifa Black Lives Matter losers who have all been, they spent all their time wearing their che T-shirts, reading about Lenin. Hang on. I have news for you about today's criminals. Yes, I want you to lock the doors of your home. Carry a weapon around if you feel comfortable. All those things. But today's criminal, the new crime wave, this criminal exists online. These people aren't walking into banks anymore with ski masks on and a pistol in hand. They sit in front of a very powerful computer somewhere and they just prowl looking for victims. And what are they looking for? Well... To put it pretty frankly, they're looking for people like you. They're looking for people who don't have home title lock. Because if you don't have home title lock, they will find your home title. They will steal it. They will forge your signature on it. It Takes them five seconds. They will get a loan out against it, a big one that you have to pay back. It's not something covered by your insurance. Go to hometitlelock.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get 30 free days of protection.
4: Jesse Kelly Returns, next.
5: there are revolutionaries and then there are people who play revolutionary and the problem is those worlds can merge on you really really fast when you deal with somebody like che and we'll do a show on that murderous psychopath once but even even castro to their credit i'm actually not insulting them right now they grew up they grew up fighting They grew up with weapons in their hands. They grew up murdering people. They grew up in battles. And all these Antifa, Black Lives Matter losers in the streets, they grew up listening to their Marxist college professors talk about Che. And then they start to sow their wild oats a little bit, and they like to get out there. And I thought, hey, I'm going to go down. You know what? I'm going to go down to the block party with my 20 or 30 Antifa buddies, and we're going to put on masks, and we're going to yell at the cops. And then they get tear gassed once or twice, and that's a badge of honor, right? They go home. Hey, look, I got hit with a pepper ball. Oh, did you see? My eyes are burning from the pepper spray, but we're We're revolutionaries. And then they get bolder, and they get bolder, and they get bolder, and you're seeing this happen right in front of your eyes. Now they're stopping vehicles, right? No, you can't pass through here. And you can see videos of it all over the place where they'll scare someone so bad they'll just hit the gas and drive away, and then they're screaming at the car. You can't do that. Now they're used to stopping vehicles, too. Man, look look at this. We are totally revolutionaries now. Now we got this. Brother, that doesn't work on everybody. That may work on some unarmed city person in Portland, New York City, these big urban areas where you've been having fun, playing dress up, doing your revolutionary gig. There are people in this country, and I don't mean one or two, there are Many, many people in this nation who will put you down if you approach their vehicle with a weapon and brandish it at them. I don't care if that makes you uncomfortable. I'm telling you for a fact. There are a lot of people who will put you down for good if you approach their vehicle with a weapon. A lot of these people were trained highly. Even the ones who aren't will put you down. And I hear this talking today about, well, did he shoot first? Did he not shoot first? You know what I say to that? Who cares? If I'm in a vehicle and let's just say My two young sons are with me. And you approach my vehicle with an angry mob and you have an AK-47 in your hands. Do you think I'm going to wait for you to shoot first before I put you down? I'm not taking any chances with my son's lives. Not for your account. And my point is, these guys, at some point, you're going to play revolutionary long enough that you're going to stumble into accidentally being a real one. And when you accidentally become a real one, there is often a high, high price to pay for that. You can do your revolutionary dress up all day long for a week or two in Seattle. You start storming into the wrong neighborhoods, approaching vehicles with weapons in your hands. It's about to get real, Jack. Really real. And this is how we've poisoned these minds that they think, they genuinely think they're all Che now. You're not Che. You're not trained. You're a goofball loser. Your Marxist college professor sets you up for failure. And one of these days you're going to approach the wrong vehicle and you're going to die just like Garrett Foster did. Go home. Shut your mouth. Get a job. Be polite. Leave people alone. Just like Bodica, you're going to storm through a couple real soft targets and all of a sudden you think you're John Rambo and you ain't John Rambo, not by a long shot. I don't want to see people get hurt in in, in this country and, ha- and, and I see it now as being inevitable and I hate it because I don't see these people stopping. Once you get a little taste of that, I'm a a big dog, I'm a tough dude. Once you get a little taste of that, that is a powerful, powerful, powerful drug that people have succumbed to many times in the past. It's intoxicating when you're out there with your friends, pushing people around, throwing things at the cops. Look how strong we are. And you're going to get way hooked on that drug and they're going to push it too far. Garrett Foster, mark my words, is not the last casualty on the left side in this little culture war we're having right now. I wish he was. I don't want there to be any more casualties at all, period. End of story. But he's not going to be because nobody, nobody, nobody's ready for it. You're not ready for it. You, you and I are going to have to wrap our minds around a different world right now. And isn't that the hardest thing in the world? Doesn't that suck? I mean, there, there's a part of me, the sick part of me thinks to, thinks to myself, well, so what? We're living through history. It's kind of cool. But then the other part of me thinks, man, I just wanted to go to work, send the kids to school, hang out with the neighbors, a couple beers, throw some horseshoes, church on Sunday, you know, that, that suburbia life. I just wanted to just do that. And I don't know that we're going to be able to, I don't, I think, I think we're about to see a lot of ugliness out there between now and November. And yes, I think a lot of that gets cleaned up and dies down after November if Joe Biden wins. We know George Soros is funding a lot of this stuff. We know he is. He's he's openly admitted to it. One civil unrest here. He's pouring money into it. We have public records now showing he's already poured 50 million into the election. So, and I'm sure he's not the only one. I don't want to just call out him. I'm sure he's not the only one, but... I think between now and November, it's it's about to get a lot worse before it gets better. I do. And that sucks. But politics is a contact sport, and we're about to find out about that contact here. I just think there are far too many people in this country who've gotten way, way too used to going out with their buddies at some little socialist revolution protest and doing as they please you can't do that to people in lots of this country in large parts of this country buddy I already told you what's going to happen if you approach my car I have friends of mine they make it look like I'm unarmed hang on Joining me now as he does every single Monday at this time, host of your welcome, Michael Malice. Michael, what should the feds be doing in Portland?
10: Oh, that's a really tough question, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I don't think any of us are happy with the visuals on either side. Uh, At the same time, at a certain point, which we've seen in Seattle, If you don't have the federal government involved, uh, the local mayors and local governors are perfectly fine to create a situation that might be only a few blocks long, but people are getting murdered. Um, So everyone seems to pretend what just happened in Chad or the autonomous zone, whatever they wanted to call it, and people were dead. They had to come in. So at a certain point, someone has to be uh, the adult in the room and be like, all right, we're drawing the line um, here.
5: What is the right line? Because I'm struggling. I'll tell you, man. It is a tough one, and I'm struggling with it, too. I'm struggling with a pr- an appropriate solution to anarchy, to communism, which I realize those are two polar opposite things. But I'm I'm struggling with an appropriate solution to this kind of civil unrest that the left is doing on purpose. We can't right. let a city burn, right? Or Or can we? Should we? Should we just say, screw it, burn the place to the ground? I think it's also really uh,
10: disturbing when people are like, well, if you voted Democrat, this is what you want and this is what you expect. I I don't think I'm happy being vindictive toward people who made the wrong decision at a voting booth at a certain point. And not to mention all the people who didn't vote or the people who may have voted otherwise or the people who held their nose. Um, I think what the left likes to do, and anytime you have any kind of radical ideology, uh, it's a question of playing chicken because this is their mechanism for testing what can we get away with, and constantly pushing that envelope, both in terms of rewriting history, like the New York Times with the 1619 Project, what we're seeing um, on the West Coast, uh, and in every other venue possible. You know, Thomas Jefferson very famously said, uh, the Tree of Liberty must be kind of eternally refreshed, uh, kind of with the blood of patriots. And It never is going to stop. So I had written an article four years ago, and I know you picked up my position about the need for a national divorce. But this is not an ideology, this aspect of leftism, that looks to be having any kind of harmonious um, relationship, even with those with whom it ostensibly agrees.
5: Okay, how do we get this divorce? Is it possible?
10: Uh, I think
5: it's look
10: at Brexit. I think it's just going to be a matter of if you have the the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, telling the federal government explicitly, "You are not welcome here." This is exactly uh, this is exactly the kind of thing that led up to uh, the Civil War, where you had various states saying, "We do not recognize federal authority." Now, obviously, that was about slavery and other issues, but legally. Uh, the principle is the same. Does the, the federal government have the right to supersede state and local authorities? And if they are saying now at this point that it's going to become acceptable that they're not, well, it's also going to become a thing maybe some red states aren't going to be allowing the ATF agents to be conducting their raids. I mean, uh, and that at a certain point, it, it, are people going to be able to be willing to do this peacefully, relatively peacefully? And you and I, I'm sure, hope very much that the answer mm-hmm. to that question would be yes.
5: Okay, so on a broader level, as far as the national divorce goes, this is the argument I get the most from the right. The people on the leftists just scream at me because leftists want to control everything. People yeah. on the right argue this with me, and they're frankly kind of correct. They say they're never going to let us go. Would they let us go? Uh,
10: I, I think at a certain point, it's not really up to them. Um, at a certain point, you know, everyone who... Uh, believes in liberty is going to have to make those tough choices. It uh, is—it's it's a question of willpower. I—I I think uh, a lot of the issue that the corporate press puts forward is to de- design to defeat people's will to make them seem you're not going to win, the costs are too high, uh, it's going to be too, in, in general, in every issue. So I, I, tr- I do think they're saying they're not going to let us go, like in any abusive relationship, but at a certain point, someone's like, yeah, cool that you think that, but I'm getting my car and I'm getting out of here. So, you know, that, that and it just becomes a question of, um, you know, who wants it more?
5: Well, then I have to ask, who wants it more? And and, uh-uh. I, and and I mean I mean that this way, man, uh, I know we can get seduced by what we see on the media and social media and all that, but they're always out there in the streets. They're in this position of power because they run for school board. I mean, they they run for all the crap we don't even care about because they are committed all the way. Are we committed?
10: No, no. This has been going on for 100 years. This is the basis of their politics. This is not the basis of conservative politics, to put it mildly, which is often just a reaction uh, to the left. So they do want it a lot. But at the same time, let's remind everyone, we beat Hitler. We beat Stalin. Is Jim Acosta and The New York Times a more formidable foe than those totalitarians? I would say no.
5: I would say yes, because he's internal.
10: I mean internal yeah but he's got a mic you know they had uh, you know some of the biggest armies in the world and they had no uh, fear. I mean I, I do not think these types going to college who have been trained to be kind of the shock troops for aggressive militia are men of strong spine because um, you see very quickly the second they encounter the police, they collapse. we see all these videos of these random journalists Of these kids who like yell at the cop's face, and the second is pushback. Uh, It's like a souffle. So, that is, if you look at those videos, you'll see okay, when it comes to who's going to blink first, I don't think it's these Antifa kids.
5: Are you a souffle fan? I love them. I had a raspberry one one time, and it was fantastic.
10: Well, I'm not surprised, Jesse, given what I know about you and your proclivities.
5: <laughs> you know what? That's not very nice. That's not. It's so <laughs> funny you brought up that point, though, about them lacking a spine, because actually, that's been the theme of my show today. Is we have a bunch of guys larping as these revolutionaries, but they're not Che. They learned it all on a college campus. They are not ready for when the pushback does come.
9: Right,
10: I mean they're they're very ad- they're much they're the same people who advocate you know against gun rights. And if you want to come to a, a war and bring your bike locks, it's, that's not going to end well for you.
5: Okay, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where are we as a country? Are we a country? Uh,
10: I, 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 I think it's going to be either a country that you and I would like a lot more, or it's going to be two Different separate countries. We also have to keep in mind that social media is doing a very good job of having us intellectually self-segregated, because it encourages people both to have their ideology driven to the more extreme logical conclusion, and also to separate out from those with whom we disagree and think more tribally and less more in a national level. So that uh, process is going to be speeding up as well. And I think there's no real historical precedent for that
5: here in the states. Does social media absolutely rip the world apart or do people, just because it's still relatively new technology, do people eventually figure out how to appropriately use it like they did all, all other new technology?
10: You, uh, social media is the best thing ever because instead of you being that one person at your school who thought the way you did and you could be marginalized and taught, uh, trained to be a freak, now you realize, wait a minute. There's a lot of us out there, but because we were geographically separated, we didn't know the others were out there, so we thought it was just us. And it allowed people who are uh, smaller in number but heavier in intellect to punch above their weight and create enormously positive social change. We wouldn't be having this conversation, Jesse, if it wasn't for social media. I trolled you and you had a great sense of humor about it. You'd know who I was and the rest is history.
5: That is a good point. Look, I love it. I just find people, I find there are so many people who aren't mentally able to handle it appropriately, in my opinion.
10: Oh, yeah, I, I, and I talk a lot on social media about the need to block and create your own boundaries because there are a lot of people who go on there specifically for the purpose of spreading toxicity and aggression, and no one has a right to one iota of your time, and it's important for everyone listening to this to recognize that. Uh, block them. Ignore them. You flush a toilet when you're done with it. Do not leave them hanging around your space.
5: Amen. Michael Malice, host of your Welcome. Thank you, my friend. Take care, brother. Be good. It's Medal of Honor Monday, ladies and gentlemen, and we have one that came in by request. Hang on one sec.
4: out catch up jessekellyshow.com simply
5: safe is something you need now it is something you need now you don't have to look hard to find some new crime being committed against somebody in their home you need home security and here's the good news the days of high prices these tricky contracts that lock you in bad customer support Pushy salesman, those days are gone. Simply Safe has taken away all that. Do you know that you can go online right now? Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. You pick out what you want, they ship it to you. You open the box, plug it in, and that's all. You're covered 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You are covered with emergency dispatch services. And this is the best part you can get all that starting at $15 a month. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping. I realize we are live and awesome in the great Albuquerque, New Mexico today. Welcome in Albuquerque is the Jesse Kelly show for some unknown reason (laughs) continues to grow here. I should let you know, Albuquerque, you're really going to have to lower your standards. All right. There's not, there's nothing good here. All right. Nothing good is going to come of this. You're only going to get in trouble Don't repeat anything you hear on this show ever, especially to women. All right. Now, that being said, we do on occasion, because I am a soulless sociopath, we do try to pay homage to the people who are good. And so every single Monday, we read a different Medal of Honor citation. Allow us to begin today. This man was born in Port Townsend, Washington, 30th of December, 1939, and his name is Marvin G. Shields. He was a construction mechanic, third-class, United States Navy. This took place in Vietnam. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, although wounded when the compound of Detachment A342, 5th Special Forces Group, 1st Special Forces fire from an estimated reinforced Viet Cong regiment employing machine guns, heavy weapons, and small arms. Shields continued to resupply his fellow Americans who needed ammunition and to return the enemy fire for a period of approximately three hours, at which time the Viet Cong launched a massive attack at close range with flamethrowers, hand grenades, and small arms fire wounded a second time during this attack Shields nevertheless assisted in carrying more critically wounded men to safety and then resumed firing at the enemy for four more hours when the commander asked for a volunteer to accompany him in an attempt to knock out an enemy machine gun emplacement which was endangering the lives of all personnel in the compound because of the accuracy of the fire Shields unhesitatingly volunteered for this extremely hazardous mission Proceeding toward their objective with with a 3.5-inch rocket launcher, they succeeded in destroying the enemy machine gun emplacement, thus undoubtedly saving the lives of many of their fellow servicemen in the compound. Shields was mortally wounded by the hostile fire while returning to his defensive position. His heroic initiative and great personal valor in the face of intense enemy fire sustained and enhanced the finest traditions of the naval service. He valiantly gave his life for his country. It does not hurt on occasion to remember the best of us. And that is the best of us. Now let's go back and talk about the worst of us. <laughs> we have, I'm looking at this headline. Mnuchin is optimistic as GOP set to introduce Senate coronavirus stimulus bill on Monday. That's from foxnews.com. We have a Democrat representative saying it's racially discriminatory not to extend the $600 weekly federal jobless benefits. Just to recap, we already passed a $2 trillion Stimulus bill for what the government did to our economy during coronavirus. Not what coronavirus did. Don't ever sell me that. The government made you lock down. The government told this business to close. The government said you're allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. The government put millions of people out of work, caused the closure of countless small businesses across the country. The government did it. And once the government destroyed the economy, the government then turned around and said, wow, I can't believe it, but this economy's hurting. We better borrow $2 trillion we don't even have and throw the people some money. Then we'll get reelected. So they did a $2 trillion bill on top of printing money. And this may be the best part of the $2 trillion bill. If this isn't peak Washington, D.C., I don't know what is. The people out there are hurting. You know what? Not only are we going to do some unemployment stuff, we're going to throw them even more unemployment money because the people are hurting. That sounds good, right? What could go wrong with that, right? Except now you're, you're paying people more money to stay home than they did when they were working. And now these businesses, they start up again. They start up again and, well, people aren't, aren't coming back to work. Do you want to go back to work, especially in a down economy, to make even less money? Well, you're listening to my show, so you probably do, but a lot of people do not. And so now we're paying people more money to stay home. We need them back to work in some cases, and they won't go. And the solution is going to be to extend that massive mistake of the last one. People, another coronavirus stimulus bill was a mistake. The last one was a mistake. And we are charging full speed ahead Right into this mistake. We have got to, got to reach out to our GOP representatives. Congressmen and senators. And stop this madness now. It has got to stop now. (laughs) A financial collapse would make any coronavirus death tolls look like a sunny day at the park. Hang on. You need to start protecting your online information just as well as you protect the rest of you. I mean, do you do you put on a seatbelt? Do you lock your doors at night? Uh, yeah, you take all these basic steps. Why? Because you care about yourself, you care about your family, do you care about your financial future? It's time to start adapting to a modern mindset. And the truth is, this day and age, people are online trying to get you. They're out there right now looking for your credit card number, your bank account, your social security number. They will financially wreck you unless you have identity theft protection. And guess what? You can get identity theft protection that's based right here in America. It's called Identity Hero. $7.95 795 a month. Go to identityhero.net slash Jesse. That's identityhero.net slash Jesse. Go protect your online info. I try to share, I try to spread the blame around when it comes to things like a huge, humongous, idiotic $2 trillion bill that's going to bankrupt us all. And they say $1 trillion. You know it's going to be more than $1 trillion. You know it is because the Democrats haven't even gotten involved yet. The GOP is bad enough. The Democrats are twice as bad. Those people are insane. So I try to spread the blame around. We're going to spread some blame around. Let's point some figures, Chris. Everyone knows that's he- what. Everyone knows it's healthy. <laughs> oh, what else can we do? Hang on.
4: This is The Jesse Kelly Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
5: Jerry Nadler apparently said Portland violence is a myth. That and Chris. Chris just asked me if I'm superstitious at all. And I have to be honest with you. It's like ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. But I want to believe in ghosts. Bad. Like I really, really want to believe in them bad. Eight eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. 877 Do you believe in ghosts? You don't believe in them either, do you, Chris? I want to. And the same goes with superstition. I want to believe in it. Like, I, I want to believe if I if I wear my hat sideways, my team will win the championship or something. I, I just don't believe in that at all. Now, hold on. When it comes to superstition, I guess it depends on what you classify as superstition. I 100% believe in God. That's different, though. That's different, but like I would believe a sign that I thought was from God or something like that. But what kind of superstitions are we talking here, Chris? Okay, you said the number 13 is viewed as an unlucky number, but for you people, for Jews, it is lucky. Wait, why are you people think it's lucky? You don't know the history of it? We need. <laughs> We need a different Jew on the show so somebody can explain this, Chris. No, I don't know the history. The, the, don't even compare the two. Chris just asked, do I know the history of why people think 13 is unlucky? That's not my history. I don't think 13 is unlucky. I don't take any stock in it at all. You're the one who just said Jewish people think 13 is lucky. I'm dying to know why. There has to be a reason for that. Google it. It's got to be a Google on there. Or look in the uh, the what is that thing? the Torah. Isn't that what your holy book is? Yeah. Look at I bet you it's in there, or I bet you it's on Google or something somewhere. Why Jewish people like the number 13. And you know what's really sad about this, Chris? Is you all have some of the coolest traditions, and I actually bet it's something really cool, and you don't even know it. So we're going to have to find out live on air about your own traditions. That's ridiculous. God has 13 attributes of mercy. How about that, Chris? How about that I told you it would be something cool and you don't even know. But I wish I was superstitious. I wish I believed in ghosts. I wish I had hobbies. I genuinely wish I had hobbies and people think I'm joking when I say that. I don't I don't have hobbies. I eat, I love to eat. You could probably say eating is my hobby. It's what I genuinely love to do outside of work in my family. I eat. I hang with the fam. I prepare for my show. I come do the show. I entertain the masses, Chris. The masses. I can't believe this show's nationwide now. What is wrong with you people? Anyway, I entertain the masses. And when I'm done with work... I don't have golf. Although I enjoy golfing, I'll golf once a year. It's not a hobby, it's not something I'm passionate enough about to do. Once or twice a year. I don't have fishing. Although I love fishing. I grew up fishing. I fish I used to fish a lot. I don't it's not a hobby of mine now. I do not have a hobby. And what's weird is well that's weird in and of itself, but what's weird is I know that it's weird. And I wish I could change it, but I can't make myself become passionate about something. And I feel bad for people like, like the old ball and chain, the wife. She, she like tries to find one for me. Maybe model airplanes or something, woodworking to do. You know, get into something because she feels bad for me. But I don't feel bad about not feeling bad like I I just feel bad for the people around me I don't feel bad for myself I don't have I don't have some desire to do things and I know I get this from my dad I've told you before my dad hates fun my dad people think I'm making this up my dad hates music now there are people that have various levels of passion for music some people I mean the, shoot the wife's a great example it's it's a deep deep passion for her music and singing and dancing and that like she feels it i i enjoy it i enjoy the heck out of music i play music all the time it's it's certainly pleasant so everybody has everyone's usually on that spectrum somewhere either super super passionate or just all the way down to oh i enjoy something on in the background my dad's off the spectrum he doesn't listen to it at all. Ever. We would take these long trips because I grew up, uh, I was born in Ohio, you know, Rust Belt, Ohio, construction family. And we moved to Montana when I was 10 years old. Now, before we moved to Montana, we had to actually figure out what the old man was going to do for a living. Now, he knew he was going to do construction and he was really good at it. So he was going to go get, you know, some foreman or superintendent job somewhere. But he, all he knew was he wanted to move west. So we start taking these road trips from Ohio to Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, Colorado. I think we even looked in Utah, the Dakotas. He's I mean, looking for work, you know, like people do. You look for work. You got to work. And we took four or five trips across the country in a car, across the country, in a car, Me, my old man, my mom, and my sister. Not one song was played. The radio was never once turned on in the car. (laughs) Who does that? Who does that? He used to take me on these hunting trips. I've told you this story before. He used to take me on these hunting trips in Montana. And Montana's huge. You know, it's the fourth biggest state. And we'd be going pheasant hunting or something like that in eastern Montana, because we lived in Western Montana. And you've got you've got four or five hours in the car. Just me and him. And he's not not exactly the talkative type. So it's not like we're gonna be jawing the whole time either. No music. Dead silence. <laughs> so I know I get this no hobby thing, honestly. I know I get it from him, but yeah, I don't have hobbies. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in any superstitions at all. And I kind of wish I did. See, Chris just asked, and and see this, see, I don't even want to elaborate on the air because it makes me sound like an even worse person than I am, but I might as well because look, that's what we are here. We're an open book. Chris asked if there's anything I'm even vaguely interested in, like cars or something like that. Oh man, this is gonna really make me sound like a psychopath. I don't care about cars at all, and I don't just mean I don't just mean like not working on them. If you were to give me, I mean, pick your number, Rich. if You were to give me fifty million dollars tomorrow, hundred million dollars tomorrow, I wouldn't trade out my pickup truck. Chris just asked if I would soup it up, if I would tune my truck for, you know, you know, get a lift on it, get something in the engine, get something like, well, whatever it may be. No, why would I? It's just fine like it is. I I know. Look, that's what's weird. See, this is why I didn't want to have this conversation on the air, Chris, because it makes me seem like an even more cold-hearted psychopath. I wouldn't do anything to it. I wouldn't trade it in. But look, it goes beyond that. And it goes to an unhealthy, I have an unhealthy level of being Not materialistic, although I'm sure there's a different word for that, a better word. But look, I went to community college, people. I don't use words, okay? I don't read. All right, you're just going to have to accept what you get. I wouldn't even sell my house. I'm just fine with what I got. Hang on.
4: Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Identity Hero
5: is here to make sure these cyber criminals don't get a hold of your social security number and do, oh, some really, really bad things with it. And maybe my favorite part of Identity Hero is this. They're based in America. You know how many of these... Identity theft protection companies aren't even here. Isn't it time to start keeping jobs right here in America? If I'm going to get protected, I'd like an American to go ahead and do it. Credit cards, debit cards, bank accounts. These guys will go after everything. But if you have Identity Hero, they'll let you know when someone goes after you. And if someone does manage to steal it, they'll pay you back dollar for dollar. Up to a million bucks. For just seven ninety five a month. $7.95 a month. Go to identityhero.net slash jesse. That's identityhero.net slash jesse. Chris, I feel like Chris is even more horrified by my, well, by me than normal. He asked me during the break, do you think it's weird that other people have hobbies? Like Chris is a, uh, Chris is into cars. He's one of these, I rebuilt an engine in my sleep type guys. Chris stopped on the side of the road and grabbed scrap wood to make his own menorah at home. Now, granted, a lot of that's just because Chris is cheap, but also he's one of those guys. He just worked with his hands and stuff like that, woodworking, cars. And Chris asked if I think that's weird, and I'll tell you, I don't think it's strange at all because I know you're the norm. I'm not. I know people have hobbies. I know that, so I don't look at you like a weirdo, and I don't in any way. And I would tell you if I did, I don't, I don't in any way like look down on you for it. Oh, that weird loser. But I should clarify, I can't relate to it in any way either. I look at you, and this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound more insulting than I mean it to be. And you know I'm happy to be insulting, but I'm actually not trying to be insulting at this point in time. I look at you working on cars or, you know, whoever's listening right now, golf, fish, whatever it is. I look at you. I know I don't have what you have. I know I probably should, like there's something missing inside of me, but I'm happy you have something, but I look at it like i look at an ant going to and fro i'm not the ant i didn't i can't relate to the ant i'm glad the ant is doing what the ant does but in no way could i relate to that or could i all of a sudden become the ant does that make sense to you no that's not true chris said i just see it as a big waste of time no that's that's what i'm trying to get across i don't look down on it I don't. Sometimes I wish I had it. I don't view it as a waste of time at all. Dude, I get bored, but I don't have anything I want to go do, which is why I always do my show. That's why I always just prep more for the show or I'll or I'll eat something. Like I said, that's about the only other thing. I do, I do not. I can't stress that enough. I do not look down on it. Even people who have different stuff like coin collecting or, or women with knitting or whatever they call that or whatever it is that women do, like, whatever it is, I do, I, I do not look down on it, for the most part. Obviously, there are plenty of things I'm sure I probably would. I don't look down on it. I just cannot relate to it any more than I can relate to the ant walking across the floor with a piece of food. Th- that's right. Chris brought this up. I'm glad he brought this up. Chris brought up guns. Obviously, it's not exactly a big secret. Um, I'm pro-gun, to put it mildly. I'm the guy who thinks the average everyday citizen should be walking around with RPGs. Like, I'm fine with that. And obviously, I own guns. Lots of them. But I guess it depends on what you mean by lots of them. When I say lots of them, I don't collect them at all. I own, for every purpose, I own one gun. I have a gun for this location. I have a gun for that location. I have a gun specifically for this self-defense scenario. I have a gun specifically for that self-defense scenario. I do not have two of any of those. I am a minimalist at everything because I'm not passionate about it. I'm not passionate about collecting weapons at all. I can obviously handle weapons pretty well, but uh, that's such a relative term anymore. I can handle firearms from my time, you know, well, growing up my own hunt with my old man and then my time in the Marine Corps, I, I, I can handle a weapon, but there are so many great dudes out there now that are just, I mean, full blown studs, but I don't even collect those. I buy ammo whenever I think of it because I'm a big believer in ammo. But look, you're shaking your head. This is actually one thing I really believe in. And dudes, I am not trying to dump on your gun collection. And I would if I felt like it because you know how rude I am. But let me just say, if if collecting guns is your thing, then collect guns. But if it's really about self-defense, if it's really about protecting your liberty or whatnot... You should be spending a lot more money on ammo, training, shoes, than you do guns. How many rifles do you think you're going to carry into combat if it comes to that one day? Maybe two, almost undoubtedly just one. I don't want, and again, I'm not judging your collection because I've seen some sweet ones. I don't want five different ARs. I want one so I can be deadly with it. I want to be faster and deadlier than the other guy with one. And not to be too bloody about it or too blunt about it, but understand this. If it's self-defense that you're talking about, there is very likely going to come a day if combat happens, and I don't think that's going to happen, but if combat were to happen there's a day going to come where you are either going to live or die based on how fast and deadly you are with that weapon. When that day comes are you going to wish you had shot another 10,000 rounds through that weapon specifically or are you going to be thrilled that you're An A-minus with 5 instead of an A-plus with just that one. Do You understand what I'm saying? I'm not ripping on it. It's fine to be good with multiple weapons, but that's how I approach it. And that's why I have one weapon for every scenario. I don't have 85 ARs. I have one. I just now, after this thing in Austin, decided that I need a sub. I need a short barrel rifle. I'm going to put it short barrel rifle. Not a sub sandwich, you idiot. A short barrel rifle. Uh, what's the best way I can put this? Have you seen an MP5, Chris? That's what I want. Now, I don't I don't want an MP5, although it is the funnest weapon to shoot I've ever shot in my life. But I want something like that. Something that shoots a 9mm, 10mm, small round. Something you can handle close quarters really well. It's not going to have anything for range. It's not going to have much for stopping power outside of a a really close distance, but that's what I want. And because I'm not an expert on it and because I don't want 10 of them, I simply called one of my friends who is an expert on it. This is a man who has seen bloodshed in every continent on earth, except for Antarctica. I believe this is a man who knows what he's doing. Give him a call yesterday, and it pays to have friends like this. I explain, in general, what I'm looking for. He gives me about 10 different options, and he starts doing that thing where there was, you have to understand that at 25 meters, this one actually has, I mean, they start breaking down all this gunner and stuff, and I was saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me be clear. You go build me out a weapon. Good. He said, sounds good. Goodbye. Hangs up. (laughs) But that's all that's done. And it's going to be sweet. But I'm not going to buy two of them. Ever. I don't want two of them. And I have nothing against the backup. Maybe one backup. But that's not what I do. So, no. Weapons aren't a hobby for me either. And when I go to the range, which I do do that, I do look forward to it, okay? But I'm not excited. When we knock out of here on Friday, Chris, and we finish our last show on Friday and I'm driving home, if I'm going to the range that weekend and I'm getting in my truck, I'm not thinking, oh, I got range tomorrow. It's not a huge obligation, but it doesn't excite me in the least. I'm going there to make sure I'm practiced and ready. I know it's terrible. See, you say I'm insane. But didn't we look up the definition for disassociated sociopath before? I think we did. Look that up and print off those traits again. I don't think that counts as being insane. Possibly mentally deficient, but not insane. Hang on. I love that Simply Safe is monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week by a professional. Honestly, it makes me sleep well at night. It makes me more at ease when I'm at work. I've got the cameras, I've got the sensors, and a professional's monitoring it. But I love how easy it was. That's worth a lot for me. Just how easy it was. You go to simplysafe.com/slash jesse. You pick out your stuff. They box it up, ship it to you, and they ship it to you for free if you use simplysafe.com slash jesse. It gets there. You open up the box. You place the sensors. You plug it in, and you're gone. Less than an hour. That's how long it takes you to set up. Less than an hour, and you do it as a family. Go to simplysafe.com slash jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash jesse. Go protect your family. Now from the security studies group and also former green beret, Jim Hansen. Jim, would it be wise to approach your vehicle brandishing an AK 47
11: only if you want to meet your maker <laughs> That's what happened to that idiot in Austin, <laughs> ah.
5: I, I've, I've been trying no. to, I've been trying to explain to people today as best I can. That these guys, they grow up on college campuses. They learn all their Marxism on college campuses. And then they go out in the world and they bully a couple city people uh, around. And they don't realize that they're getting themselves caught up in a very dangerous game. And eventually you're going to approach a Mr. Jim Hansen in his car one day. And it's going to turn out differently than it did all those other times.
11: You know, and it's not like you don't have a reasonable fear of potentially getting shot. Up in Provo, Utah, they had a mob surrounded a guy, fired a bunch of shots into his vehicle. Mm -hmm. This is happening. It happened uh, in Colorado over the weekend, too. They shot at a guy who didn't think it was a good idea for protesters to get in his way on a bridge. You can't do that and then expect people not to protect themselves. The right of self-defense is inherent.
5: Jim, how does this stop? When does this stop? How does this anarchy end? I mean, I know the joke of if Biden gets elected, it ends the day after the election. And I believe a lot of that's probably true. But what if he doesn't? What if Trump pulls this off? Does this? I'm worried this is going to get bloody, man, bloodier.
11: I, I, I'm i scared that you're right. You know, I, I have been a, a tough sell for the idea that we might eventually end up in some sort of armed conflict. But I think if Trump wins, the left's going to push that. You know, their crazies aren't listening to anybody now, and they're not about to accept, you know, the fact that they they get Trump reelected. So I think it's, it's dangerous if it goes their way. If it doesn't go their way, I don't think they're going to stop protesting because they're not going to stop protesting. Uh, Biden's not their guy. You know, they're not going to stop protesting until he's out. It doesn't matter what you give them. You can't feed that crocodile enough.
5: So. We've just lost America's cities? And I, I mean, I know you're probably not a huge city guy. I love the city and country. I love them all. I prefer the country, I guess, now because the cities are garbage. But we, we've lost them. New York, Portland, Seattle, We've they're, they're gone?
11: They're kind of gone. Here's, ah. the, here's the interesting thing. I'm trying to figure out, going forward, where the split is. You know, you've got blue, red, you've got left, right, you've got all these things, city, country, and all of that. But what you've also got that's going to really show up when when the right actually gets its ducks in a line is that Democrat rule is unhealthy for human beings. You know, people who live for an extended period of time under the rule of Democrats have horrible lives. You know, their schools suck, they have crime, they have drugs, they have rioting idiots that they can't stop. So I think at some level, the worse it gets for the people in those cities, the better for the rest of us, because it has to show that we cannot trust them to run our country. And, you know, I think normal people are going to come around to that conclusion.
5: How does it get better for, well, here's what I'm worried about Jim, as far as getting better for the rest of us, Texas is these polls are looking scary, man. Ted Cruz only won over Beto O'Rourke by two points. I think, I think these people are, are flocking to red states, and they are flipping them because they're bringing their voting preferences with them. And I'm worried if we start unloading cities like New York and Seattle and Portland, they're going to unload here and other places and flip them.
11: I think that's a very smart fear, uh. and I think it could come to fruition. You know I, I don't think anybody on Earth has any idea what the results of this election are going to be. Anybody who told me they could predict this election right now, polls or magic or you know, magic I'd pick Marianne Wilson Williamson's magic crystals over any poll you've got right now. but we need to prepare ourselves for the possibility that Biden wins. And if Biden wins, we need to be ready to blame all the bad stuff because it's not going to get better. You know, his crazy wing is not going to accept that victory graciously. They're not smart enough to do that. They're going to demand more, more, more and more. So if he does win, we need to be prepared to show that they are the ones going to take us completely over the cliff and then be ready in four years with Dan Crenshaw or somebody, you know, who might, uh, might come back and, and show a little backbone.
5: Is it Crenshaw? Who, who, the post, the post Trump era, whether that be 2020, 2024, who are we looking to Jim? Because I, I do not think, I think the, the Washington Beltway GOP thinking that once Trump's gone and we're done with that brute, we're going to go back to a more sophisticated, gentler way of politics. I think they're insane. I think people were scared. They're going to be going for a strong man of some kind. Who is it?
9: You
11: know, I'll I'll throw Crenshaw out there in a heartbeat. You know, I know there's people who have beefs with him and he he shows a little bit of softness on some social issues, but you kind of have to. You know, we can't go back and say, okay, we're going to run a candidate now again after, you know, four or eight years of Trump that say, you know, that says we're going to fight over everything. But you need someone who's not going to compromise on the things that
3: truly
11: matter. And I think what we need is some sort of platform that's kind of conservatarian, conservative, and libertarian, but it has to have the fighting spirit of the MAGA crowd. You know, that's what, that's what was proven to be effective. That's what Trump gave us, was the fact that fighting wins. And that's what the Beltway Republicans never grasped, and that's why they got thrown out, is they were willing to cave and be Democrat-like. Trump said, hell no, we're going to fight, and it works. So you got to have both those things and a fighting
9: spirit.
5: Jim, what do we what do we want out of this stimulus bill that's supposed to be coming out today? I don't want it at all. I'm horrified we're, we're we're getting another one. Is there anything to look forward to in this thing?
11: It you know, I I hate to say it, but with with the fact that so much of the country is going to be shut down, the money's got to come from somewhere. You know, so yes, it's a nightmare. Yes, it does everything wrong and as a conservative I, like you, am horrified by the idea of printing money and shoveling it out of 747s that fly across the major cities, which is mostly what it does. But it also gets money to normal people, too. You know, if you look at the, the, yes, the big corporations benefit, but they employ human beings. And a lot of small companies got money to pay their employees, too. So we got to do that until we can get the country fully reopened and the economy per and like you said, never be crazy enough to, to shut down a $19 trillion economy again.
5: Jim, when we break up as a country, should we break up into two <laughs> or three or four countries?
11: <laughs> I, I was actually looking at a map last night, man. I knew, mm-hmm. Since I knew I was coming on with you and I was mm-hmm. trying to, to figure out where my gulch, gulch is going to be. <laughs> and I kind of want Barbara Streisand's mansion.
5: You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. Jim, this is not, no, not a war, a war of conquest. It's a national divorce. You can't just take people's houses. I mean, maybe.
11: No, you can't, actually. That's <laughs> the point. I mean, they've been proving that. If they want to play this game, Jesse. It's not going to go good for them. We're the ones who know how to play the game. You know, it's our game. We're just letting, They're like role players coming out you know they're like a a kids little league team coming out before a major league baseball game and showing off and playing around and then they want to stick around you really want to stick around and face a 90 mile an hour fastball i don't think so
5: jim what's the best thing what's the best thing you grill? i grew grill
11: i grill oh dude i take the dry age we've got a, a harris teeter by me that does dry-aged beef. So they throw a whole rib roast in there, mm. prime rib roast in there, mm. and they let it age for 21 days. Ah. They'll cut you off a piece. And I, I have them cut me off about a two-and-a-half to three-pound chunk of it, and then I do a reverse sear on the grill. So I do it real low and slow till it gets up to about 120, take it off, let it cool, then sear it in a cast-iron pan, dude. Um, next time you're here. I will oh, show you, brother. My it is
5: bliss. Word. I have yes. I have Drool coming out the side of coming out the side of my mouth right now on the radio. Jim Hansen, security <laughs> studies group. Thank you, my friend. Always good, Jesse. Talk to you soon. Reverse seer? That sounds intense. Hang on.
6: Visit AdoptUSKids.org.
7: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and
8: the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
5: Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Let us go to Todd in Houston. What's up, brother?
11: Hey,
12: brother. Yeah, I'm up here in the woodlands. Uh, yeah, I can't believe what happened to that uh, knucklehead in Austin who thought having a uh, an AK on a march was a which didn't have a permit. The uh, the march didn't have a permit it was a smart thing to do. So, well,
5: uh, I mean, look, dude, you, it, you uh, can see how it would happen. He's feel he's with his friends, feels like he's a tough guy. Someone gives it to him, or he goes out and buys it. And, you know, of course, they're seeing videos of cars driving through protesters, and he wants to be the tough guy in front of the wife and everything else, and, and now he's dead.
12: Well, you know, uh, there's two things I've always believed in. Stupidity should be painful and play stupid games. You'll win stupid prizes. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, the responsible people out there, you know, I don't know. It's just I I saw a video of him being interviewed, and then the incident happened. And I'm telling you, if that guy had an 85 IQ, that might have been it. I I just wasn't impressed by the –
5: I saw the interview too, Todd, and the guy was talking about he was calling everybody a bunch of sissies, even though he didn't use that word. And we'll see how tough they are now. I mean, this is clearly a guy – who thought he was going to go out there and set somebody straight? And look, I'm not. Look, I'm honestly not trying to trample on the dead. I'm not trying to trample on his memory. I want him to serve right. as an example to everybody out there. Stop approaching vehicles. Stop making people feel unsafe because there are a lot of people out there who are going to respond if you make them feel unsafe.
12: Absolutely, because I guarantee you, I am not going to end up like Reginald Denny in 1992. That is not going to happen.
5: Nope. There are a lot of people. That video, he's talking about, obviously, the guy that got pulled out of his truck after the Rodney King thing and got a brick thrown off his head, and that video changed a lot of people in America. You're not pulling me out of my car. All right, Todd, how's the fam?
12: Oh, fam is doing great. Mom and I attended my niece's wedding last night. She married a really wonderful guy, so... Yeah, it's uh, things are going good here.
5: Give my best to mom, please.
12: Will do. You got that? Roger that. Shogun. Have a
5: great day. <laughs> See you, bud. <laughs> Quit shaking your head, Chris, because people because people know the nicknames that I was given gave to myself: Shogun, or the Oracle, or Steel. Now you you think we're on to something with Sultan, but here's why I don't want to push Sultan just yet. One our new country, the Republic of Jesse doesn't exist yet. I think Sultan should wait until I formally take charge of the new country. I feel look, I don't feel like you can just throw that out there. You can be Shogun now, and the oracle, I mean that's look, that's just what I am. It's not even who I am, it's what I am. <laughs> Seriously, it all, we were talking about superstitions earlier. I think about this a lot because I drive by. I'm sure you've all seen them. But Chris, I'm sure you've seen one. You're driving by and you see, uh, get your palm read here, you know, mind reading, all this other stuff. That person's in business for a reason. That person is in business for a reason. People go to that because people... People want to believe in that stuff. And you may be one of those people who believes in it. And like I said before, I'm actually not judging you if you collect, you know, coins. But if you go to a palm reader, I am judging you. You're stupid. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop wasting your money. These people are all rip-off artists. Stop wasting your money on that. What if, what if, hear me out. What if I get to heaven one day? And I find out from God, the superstitions were real. Like, there are a bunch of them that were real. No, if you if you just had set aside, you know, if, if you wore the same pair of underwear six days in a row, if you'd done it, the Giants would have won the Super Bowl that year. I'm going to be devastated. I'll be like, oh, Lord, how do you not put that in the Bible? Uh, then I guess everyone would know, though, and everyone would have stinky underwear. Headline Soros pours a record 50 million into the 2020 election. I've said this before, delicately. So I'm going to be very delicate again. Not talking about this article, not talking about George Soros, not talking about any of that. But let's, we opened up talking about ancient Rome and Britain, right? Ancient Rome was, whatever you think of them, unquestionably the greatest empire of all time. Their longevity, how long they were great. There's nobody else even close. How much more advanced they were than the rest of the world. They were just, no one else is in the debate. All right? Let's understand that. So, the greatest empire of all time. Let me ask you something, Chris. Let's say, let's say a country that was close to the Roman Empire had a very, very, very wealthy man in their country. And this wealthy man was constantly pouring money into Rome to cause civil unrest on purpose in Rome. Just a hypothetical here. How do you think Rome would handle that? Just ask it a
9: question.
5: Home can save you from getting evicted from your home. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Jesse, what what am I worried about that? I pay my bills. Do you pay your bills? Do you pay all of your bills? And I can hear you right now. Well, yeah, I do. What are you talking about? Do you pay the bills for the loan you didn't know you took out? Because that's what happens. People, your home title is online. It is purely digital now. And in less than 10 minutes, a cyber criminal can get a hold of it, get your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and that is a bill you have to pay back. Your home insurance isn't going to cover it either. Pay it or get evicted unless you have HomeTitleLock.com. Then you're protected. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code JESSE for 30 free days of protection. is suggesting America do anything. I'm not going to be accused of that. I was doing a hypothetical for ancient Rome. What is everybody's problem? Hypothetically speaking, how would Rome handle such a problem? The whole show is available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes right after the show. Chris podcasts them up. Once again, want to extend a gigantic welcome to Albuquerque. Welcome to the show. I'm going to have a lot of fun around here. If you want to email me, you can. I read every single email. Chris gets them, prints them off for me. I read them. I probably won't respond because I get too many. That's tough luck, but I do read them. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. That's jessie at jessikellyshow.com. We are going to have... A lot of fun tomorrow. You're going to want to buckle up for tomorrow's history show. It's one of my favorites. That's all. That's 888-84-Jesse, or go to com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.